social ladies. All the 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 social ladies. Now put your phones up. Welcome to All the Social Ladies with CEO of Likeable Media, Carrie Kerpin. Because if you're social, then you really should be tweeting us. If you're social, then you really could be leading us. You can't have what people say it's so mysterious. Because you're social, you're a leader and you're serious. Now, Carrie Kerpin. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to All the Social Ladies. I'm Carrie Kirpin, CEO of Likeable Media, and today I'm so excited to be speaking with Marissa Pick, who is the Director of Social Media at Euromoney Institutional Investor. Marissa advises over 100 global businesses internally on best practices to help drive traffic, membership, engagement, and ROI from social media efforts across publications, events, businesses, and other internal programs. Marissa was named one of the Nifty 50 Top Twitter Women Writers in 2013 and was shortlisted as a finalist for the 2014 Rising Star Award by the British Media Awards. She's also the co-chair of the BMA Forward, which is the young professional's arm of the BMA New York chapter, and is a co-chair of the Bold Alumni Network at Brandeis University. I'm so excited to have her here today. Welcome, Marissa. Thank you so much. I'm happy to be here. I'm so happy to have you in the studio. And I would love to hear about how you got your start. It's very impressive to be able to um, really manage and give all of this insight and input to all of these different publications. It must have taken you quite a journey to get here. It was. And I started doing something totally non-related. I work as an asbestos litigation paralegal. Ooh, we have never had someone who's worked as an asbestos (laughs) litigation paralegal on all the social media. I started there. All right, tell me. Started there. Decided legal was not the field for me. Came so you back. studied law in school. I studied law okay. in school, came out, and I decided to go back to school. And in the midst of me finishing school was the, the 2008 market crash. Mm. So there was no job. So I started working. My father is president of BizBash Media. So I started working for him, and I started doing event marketing. And so we did big trade shows at the Javits with 3,000 people, and we started integrating social media. And from there, we did lounges on site, and we started seeing revenue come, and we saw the people that were coming getting so excited and so into it. And so my passion from social media just totally took off. So you, it sounds like you really saw how social media played into event marketing. Absolutely. So tell me a little bit at BizBash how you would incorporate incorporate social media into it. So we really worked with all the speakers, all the attendees. We did discount codes. You know, this was right as Twitter was kind of emerging and becoming big. We did live Twitter feeds And I still, to this day, love every single person kind of walking into an event and seeing all the tweets flowing and their eyes just light up. And it's so amazing to me because to us, it's something that five years ago was huge. Now, you know, not so much, but it's such an exciting feeling. It must have been incredible to be on the forefront of that because 2009, people really weren't doing that yet as much as they should. It was, except for I wish I could go back and delete all of my first tweets, which were so silly. You know, if you download your archive of tweets, you get to see everything. Oh, man, I wish I could go back. You would go back and delete. Oh, there's a lot of Gossip Girl tweets. There's a lot of, like, terrible things. and Not terrible, but... But, like, silly. Terribly embarrassing, silly things. And you would be embarrassed (laughs) by the Gossip Girl tweets. Well, I do love Gossip Girl. I mean, who doesn't? Exactly. Come on. Please. (laughs) I mean, 
I'm, I, occasionally, you might see a Gossip Girl tweet come out for me. It's okay. You know, it's all right. I'll probably retweet you. I love it. <laughs> I love it. And so from BizBash, from gaining all of that experience there, which is so great, the ability to kind of work within the family business like that, you know, it's something where, mm-hmm. where your dad was there and getting that opportunity and falling into social. Did you then land at Euromoney Institutional Investor? So between there, I worked at a conference company for a short bit, and then I actually worked at Crane Communications at mm-hmm. B2B Magazine, mm-hmm. um, which is now part of Ad Age. Okay. And so I did all the digital marketing for them. So I kind of had my hand in email, my hand in the social media, and we started developing social media sponsorships as a new revenue stream. Wow. Our clients were demanding it. They wanted it. The sponsors were really asking for it to be incorporated in their packages because they were seeing the revenue and the value, and they really started embracing it. That's incredible. And so for you, learning this really, it sounds like it came through doing. It didn't sound like this was something that you necessarily went to school for. It was really like kind of hands-on learning experience. Mm-hmm. Do you feel that for social that's key? Or do you think do you think that social media can be like taught in a school? Or do you think that it's something that needs to just be hands-on learned? I think it has to be hands-on. I think the strategies can be taught and you can review them. But I think unless you're trying it and actually having the failures to learn from, um, and I think a lot of people forget that, that you know, I can come here and sit and talk to you about 30 great campaigns, but for every great campaign, you really need one failure that you learn from and you have a lesson to take away. Absolutely. I I, I actually love – it sounds funny to say when I say I love failing, but I really do because it helps me get to the success, I think, exactly. when you get through and get past it. So tell me a little bit about Euromoney Institutional Investor. I was telling you before that it's a mouthful to say and yes. it's, a, it's a clearly a very big – a company with a big job for you to do. So tell us a little bit about Euromoney Institutional Investor and then your role within the company. Sure. So we are a part of the Daily Mail Group based out of London. Uh, we're headquartered in London. We have an office in Hong Kong and a big office here in New York. Mm-hmm. Um, so I work on the global social media team. I oversee all of the global strategy. Uh, so there's about 150 different businesses. We have the events business, we have the publishing business, and there's a training business. So under all of those, there's a lot of different Industries, there's, you know, hedge funds, there's metals, there's asset management, capital markets. So it's a really big variety. Mm -hmm. Um, And I kind of work with the teams, whether it be we're launching a new product, how can we optimize it? Or we have a really big ranking coming out. Or we're doing the biggest event ever. We just wrapped one of our largest events last week with CNBC. Mm. Um, So how can we optimize those specific events to, you know, to kind of target all the different business objectives? So when you have a company with so many arms and so many publications and all of these many, many, it sounds like many moving parts, mm-hmm. how do you structure for success in social? You mentioned that you're part of the, the team. Tell me a little bit about how that's structured and how that works, how, how you can uh, deploy across to all of these different publications and, and initiatives. Yeah. So I guess the one thing is there's no one size fits all. Mm-hmm. Um, in a dream world, there would be. But mm-hmm. uh, every single conversation starts with the team and it's what is your business objective? So do you want to drive revenue? You know, that's obviously the dream, right. not always the reality. Right. Um, a lot of times we want to just, you know, raise awareness of our brand. We want to get people talking about this before it happens. Uh, so it kind of varies based on every single you know, an event's going to have different objectives in a publishing business. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we start there. I have a great team. I have two girls in New York that are fantastic. And we have someone in London that does content marketing and is just absolutely brilliant. So all together we work and we kind of go in and we just hit them hard and come out with a strategy. And do you meet with every uh, different group under 
under your money, institutional investor? I'd say on a given month, I'm working on about 40 different businesses. Wow. So become a juggler. <laughs> you know what's interesting? You're almost like an agency within the organization. Have That's, you ever heard that before? Yeah. So we were actually structured as an agency. That's how it all came about. Wow. Very, very interesting. So you go through and you go to their each of their individual business objectives, and then you either craft a strategy or a plan, mm-hmm. a content plan against that? So we start with a plan. Um and then we'll go from there, whether it be just kind of holding people's hands and walking them through social advertising, making them aware of what they can do. Um, a lot of people just don't know. So what I found is for the greater business, we do a lot of training. So we do breakfast. I'll go into London and I'll buy everyone, you know, breakfast and coffee. And we get 150 different people from our chairman to our managing director to, you know, entry level to every single person. And we'll just do a social media breakfast and walk people through here are the latest updates. Here's what's going on. Here's internal case studies. What are your questions? And that's how a lot of conversation and idea sharing starts. Oh, that's great. So you start getting them really excited about Exactly. And that's what you have to do. You have to spark the passion. And, you know, I think in a larger company, it's somewhat siloed in our business. So people don't talk or they're, they're actually quite competitive internally. So getting people aware with the case studies for me has been really beneficial. That's great. So you mentioned case studies. So tell me a little bit about some of the more successful things you've done at the organization. Sure. So last week, we actually had one of our biggest events, which is called Delivering Alpha. Uh, We worked with CNBC. They actually set up at our event. uh, So we co-produced it. And it's the biggest finance guys in the world. So we have Carl Icahn and John Paulson and Jack Lew. Wow. So CNBC is there all day. We're live on air. Um, so we did a lot of social media before, during, and after. And this year, we actually really integrated content marketing into this. And we had some really great visual quotes. Um, those went absolutely viral. They were the most popular messaging online. We had 5.2 million mentions, 3 million overall, which came from Twitter from this conference. So this is an event where you trend all day in New York, all day in the U.S. Uh, we saw revenue from this event from LinkedIn. So it was just across the board, traffic, revenue, Every single thing that someone could dream about. Okay, so a couple of questions on this. So the quotes, did you pre-prepare the quotes or were you able to like create them as images live as they said them? Were they things that... So both. So we had a lot of pre-prepared quotes with all of our speakers for the conference. So just really simple. You know, Quoter is a great app. It's free. We go on. We did that on site. Uh, Some pretty ridiculous quotes always happen live in an event. Right. Of course, always go viral. Right. I mean, someone started talking about something rather inappropriate. People right. are dropping F-bombs right. on stage. So, you know, you got to live in real time and do right. marketing. Uh, so we did that. And then we used apps. We did Vine all day. We had Instagram. Uh, CNBC social team is unbelievable. They did a live Storify with commentary all day. So. Oh, that's so great. Yeah, you can't really ask for a better team to work with. So explain to me how you got you were able to turn revenue from the social of that event. So we do a lot of ads. So Facebook obviously has the custom audience now, which they've totally redone, which is fantastic. It's a great product. So we do lapsed people. So we do people that we've been marketing to on email that have not purchased. So we do ads that just target those people. Uh, We start those about one month before the event. On LinkedIn, we have a private group, which is pre-approved people only, Um, really specific audience. And, you know, to get in is moderated by our team. Uh, we do LinkedIn announcements, LinkedIn updates, final calls, price well, – actually, there's no price breaks on this. This is a $5,000 event, so it's very high level. Mm-hmm. Um, we saw this – again, last year we had someone come. We had someone this year, and this was one week ago. So it's continuing to flow. You know, it's so interesting um, that you 
talk about the you know that this is the target that you're looking for, right? Somebody who would spend five thousand dollars on an event, obviously high net worth individual. Mm-hmm. Um, are those people active, and can you reach them on social? Because a lot of times you hear from different fi- either finance groups or you see you know you interact with somebody and they say, oh no, people like that aren't even wasting their time on social, but they actually are. Isn't that right? Interestingly enough, these guys, you know, a lot of them, this is the capital markets, the asset management, the hedge fund managers who are so restricted and limited. But we find actually in our internal systems, the majority of our people that are on social media come from the hedge fund industry. Really? So a lot of them, not so much on Twitter, more so on LinkedIn. Um, Carl Icahn is a great example, right? So he came last year to this conference and he said, I will, this is after the Reed Hastings conference. Twitter case. And he yeah. he is now, Carl Icahn said, I will be posting my stock picks on Twitter. Um, and he, on in live time, is moving the market. So, you know, he is one of the biggest hedge fund billionaires in the world. And right. he is live tweeting from our conference, which is unbelievable to me. And so when somebody like him, when he's on, when he's on there, when Carl's on there, then others follow. Exactly. That's incredible. So he's there, you know, we have, because they broadcast live on CNBC, you have more of a retail audience engaging uh, we handpicked bloggers. We had a really great list of financial bloggers that were there, some of the biggest in the industry. Mm-hmm. You know, you have Business Insider, you have CNN, you have every single person is there live tweeting, covering it. So, you know, leveraging those influencers is so important as well. Definitely. So tell me, so obviously that's around an event, right? Mm-hmm. We have we have an event and there it's there, it mm-hmm. happens, and then it's over. What about when there's you have a publication and there's nothing really going on at that time? Like it's sure. kind of just an everyday day-to-day um, activity that, they, sure. that they're in. Tell me about that. So we did something this winter, um, and we just wanted to do something. Obviously, in this industry, you want customer first, and that's really ultimately what drives your entire business and should be across the board. Mm-hmm. Um, so we did something called Reader's Appreciation Week, and this is with one of our other big publications and we just wanted to thank our readers. So across the board, we had several of our different publications. We had all of the publishers doing Instagram videos. We exported the Instagram HTML. We put it on the landing page. We did prizes all day. Retweet this for a chance to win. We did spot Starbucks gift cards. We just want to show you we appreciate you. We went around to every single person in one of our businesses, and we took an iPhone, Revolutionary, and we did Vine video for six seconds, just having every single person Thank you for choosing us. We know there's a lot of competition. We appreciate you tuning in. And we did a viral landing page. And we had all these different faces on this landing page. And we went, you know, we had banner ads. We had every single integrated campaign. And it was chances to win. And nothing sales related. We did some price breaks for people that were kind of on the fence about, you know, possibly coming back and renewing. And it was just a really nice campaign across the board. And so just thanking people. Just thanking people. That's awesome. And it went really well. It went really well. A lot of engagement online. You know, it's rare that you're not getting a hard sales call, especially from a publishing business. So that's great. Is there is there an audience that amidst all of your targets and and different publications and things you're looking at, that's the hardest to reach or or an area you haven't really yet nailed? Hmm. I'd say capital markets are really Uh hard. Um, Uh Hedge fund industry is still quite hard, even though we have a lot of people. Yep. Um, Metals and mining is actually doing quite well. We just wrapped a really large event. We have a lot of success with social media. Really? Yeah. Tell me a little bit about that. So we did an event here in New York. My content marketing genius, Shannon, who's based in London, did a fantastic job doing a content. She did surveys and infographics and actually just emailed me this morning that we got a subscription from this. And 
these subscriptions are quite expensive. Wow. So we're talking a thousand pounds up. Yes. Uh, we had ten thousand dollars come from LinkedIn, flash sales. You know, if you have people on the fence and they see a discount code, they're very inclined to buy. And this is not rocket science. This is using your LinkedIn announcement once a week. I absolutely love how you, Marissa, are able to, uh, you know, really clearly and kind of, you know, with pride, tie this to revenue because it's so danced around all the time, the concept of Mm -hmm. the fact that social can lead to revenue because there's such a concept of it being only about community. But it really does sell stuff, doesn't it? It does. It's not always the easiest to show. Right, (laughs) right. This is a month we just found some money. So it's, you know, and ideally, obviously, in a dream world, when my execs talk to me and they say, well, tell us why we should work with social media. And I like to have revenue. You know, we kind of put our heads together and we found almost a half a million dollars of revenue from what we've worked on this past year. That's incredible. So, you know, it's not the easiest kind of trail, um, but as marketing automation kind of comes into play, it makes it much easier. Are there particular tools that you love or use within marketing automation? So we use a system called Neolane. Okay. um, And we just rolled this out globally. Uh, We switched over and as our team kind of gets immersed, they're now... I don't touch email, but the the team that does email for us is fantastic, um, and they're really thinking about how we can incorporate social media into landing pages. And that's so great. You, I think you'll see your results really when you're so. able to tie the two <laughs> together. It's it's. I mean, look at what you're doing already. It's, exactly, it's pretty it's, incredible. It's fun. It's incredible. So you mentioned that Neil Lane is global. I had a question for you on global. Uh, is it different how you're marketing differently in different countries? Is it a very different experience in terms of what networks they're using or the approaches you take? Yeah. So if you go to London, Facebook is kind of poo-pooed upon. Um, I walk into my breakfast and I always challenge people. I say, give me 100 pounds and I will show you a return from using Facebook. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I'm really a believer. Facebook advertising is absolutely my favorite. It's the most cost efficient. And you see the returns yep. right away. And it's so robust. The, the What you're able to do with the product exactly. is pretty incredible. And they've retargeted every single mm-hmm. way of hitting people. Mm-hmm. Um, so I challenge people, actually, in live time. I say, a lot of issues we have come around gated content. Okay. So we have 99% of our content's gated. Well, that's not going to work. You know, you have to open up some content and let people kind of engage and understand Correct. your brand. So we have one brand. Uh, we opened up four pieces of content. We had 150,000 impressions. We had got numerous clicks. So we had a really good response, and that whole team kind of totally transitioned to how they looked at Facebook advertising. Are they are the teams really hesitant to ungate content? Is it it's probably one Sometimes of the most they are, yes. difficult challenges. That yeah. is that is definitely one of the challenges. The language barrier also mm-hmm. for us because mm-hmm. we're such a global business. Yep. Um, we've done testing with different languages and we find that people respond best to the language that they're being served in their country. Um, so we have a big office in China and we're doing a lot of Weibo. Uh, so we have two of our businesses kind of doing a launch on Weibo. And one of the girls that works for me speaks fluent Mandarin. So she's doing a fantastic job kind of setting it all up and leading it. Um, so that'll be a really interesting case study. That's really great. I think um, in general, the concept of what to do about gated content mm-hmm. is is uh, is a challenge. Probably less. So, is it less so in in a higher net worth situation, or are they just as annoyed? About the it gated depends. Uh, we're doing a lot of custom content rolled into eBooks behind a lead gen campaign. Oh, that's great, and that's what's working quite well now I think for that's, us. That's great. When you have gated content, you get a lot of negative feedback, like on Twitter, like, why is this article gated or why is this? And if so, do you respond and how? Absolutely. So we get this all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, you see this across the board. Everywhere. Subscriber content. Yes. 
Um, so we do get a lot of people. I can't believe you put this up on social media. Um, and we respond. You know, all of our products are trial-based. You can take a week or two trial, um, and you can have full access. So we just drive trials that way. Um, and a lot of times, you know, if it's something that really is, it should be opened up, the editorial teams are very able and willing to open it up. But does it show conversion? So if if you have gated content, does it work? If you put it out there, are people taking the trials? It we probably do, yeah. works. It does. So our one of our biggest rankings is gated content, and we get the majority of our trialists. We hit a month of trialists in one day based on this release. So it does hmm. work. And do you see this as the future of how print publications will evolve? Do you see this as, as the way? I know it's a tough question because it's obviously print publications and evolve is like if we know the magic answer, we'd, we'd all be in a different place. But do you, do I, you I think see that? Print is hard. Yeah, I think it will kind of evolve into that. We still have a lot of people that are kind of older uh, yeah. and they like to print out their PDFs and take it on the train. Absolutely. You know, you could ask my parents. My parents still read the paper and they take it on the bus every single day. Yep. And that's how they consume. Whereas I'm sitting with my little mini iPad and I read the Wall Street Journal every day. Wow. I'm going to tell you a secret. <laughs> Sometimes I print things and put them in folders and read them on the <laughs> I'm quite young, but I do sometimes. I it's still like a little bit of an old habit, you know. Mm-hmm. But I do. I definitely know people, um, you know, of of the next generation ahead of mm-hmm. mine that are all still all print. But I think you know the evolution is really absolutely is really key. And I think to me, what resonates from this conversation is that when you're putting up the gated content, that they're getting. The tri- you're getting the trials and you're getting mm-hmm. – and I think that's key. The demand is there. The it's traction there. comes. The content ultimately is fantastic. We have great editorial teams around the world. So, you know, without them it wouldn't be possible. We have great marketers that are getting the content out there. So, you know, I work in a great business. I'm very fortunate. It sounds actually like a very exciting time and place for you to be. It's, it's pretty it's wonderful. Fun. And it's also, you know, coming from B2B, um, it's very different. You know, the global – businesses that I'm touching are not the most revolutionary. You know, yes. a legal business, we threw up a Twitter stream live on stage last week or a month ago. And every single person was like, this is the coolest thing I've ever seen. And it's just, it's amazing to kind of get those small victories or to find the revenue or to get the interest. And it just makes you really happy with, you know, the field of work I'm in. I love it. And I also love, it must never get old for you because you've got so many different changing. Oh, it's so, it's always changing. Ah! Yeah. So tell me, okay, so I know that each of the individual publications, events, everything Mm -hmm. has individual goals, right? So they say to you, okay, we want to increase revenue, we want to increase awareness, you know, all of these different things. Do you, within your mini agency group, (laughs) which is how I'm picturing you now, do you have overarching goals? Is it that you need to monetize social media across the board? Is it that you need to increase awareness? How are you and your team measured? Is it by the individuals or is there an overarching goal? So I do a global monthly social media report, which is the biggest report you will ever see. Ah, it is excellent. membership. So it has every single business, where they lie on social media. And over each month, um, I measure traffic, I measure membership growth, and I do kind of case studies about who's doing what, um, who's increasing the most, and why. So, you know, revenue does help. But to me, it's about brand awareness and visibility at the stage that my business is so in. So you're really looking at the reach that you're able to gain through social. Yeah. So in this, you know, we're on the financial, different financial year than you yes. guys. So I started in October of 2012. God, I'm thinking back now almost two years ago. Wow. And we grew 248% in traffic and 130% in membership, which is a really big number for a financial yes. publishing company. Yes. 
So it's it's kind of now picking up. People are getting really interested in it and people are buying in. You know, it's not the easiest sell to get, you know, everyone involved and buying into it. But like I said, it's a challenge and I like it. I love it. I love it. What would you say is the biggest challenge for you at your organization? Breaking the mindset and the mold, the the heads of people that, you know, I'm doing email, I'm doing print, and it's like, no, your audience is not consuming this, so let's actually ask them, let's see how they are consuming it, and kind of breaking the mold of what a day-to-day is doing. Mm-hmm. And social media is free. Yes, it takes time. It's not rocket science. It's nothing crazy. Any person can do it. Mm-hmm. But really incorporating that into a larger plan and getting people to buy in and spend the time now so in five months, they'll see the return. So it's like getting the organ. It sounds like it's getting the organizational buy-in to move forward in exactly. a in a somewhat um, riskier choice, even though it's not as expensive, right? But it's, exactly. it's a um, riskier choice because it's more unknown to them. Exactly. Correct? Yeah. So it's changing, it's changing that mentality. And I love when they say, we don't have budget. I'm like, you have 50 pounds that we can spend doing social media. Ads. Right. Come on, and I'll show you return. And exa- exactly. Well, that was, I loved your quote before, was show me 100 pounds and I'll show you your return oh, on Facebook. It. It's my favorite challenge. That's incredible. <laughs> so do you travel a lot when you're... I do. Have you been to some really interesting places on, uh, I have. on behalf of the company? Yeah. So this past year was quite a busy travel period. So I'm in London about every two to three months. So this past year I was there five times. Uh, I went to Paris. I went to Amsterdam. I was in... Toronto in the middle of winter, which I would not recommend. No. I hope you wore like a face mask. (laughs) (laughs) The wind. Believe me, I sat at the conference Uh, with my parka on and everyone's looking at me like I'm a crazy person. So then I went to Miami the following week, which I de-thought out. Okay, good. So it's fun. I like that I kind of get to travel and mix and get to really talk to our audience, which for me, you know, I've been here for a while, but it really helps to kind of meet the people and say, so what what social media do you use? And I and I actually in these lounges that we do, I'll sit with them with my iPad and I'll walk them through how to build a LinkedIn profile, which is so basic, but That's it's not awesome. so basic. That's awesome. And yeah, because a lot of times people really need to know that. I can't tell you how many C-level executives I've walked through, like how to do some of the most basic stuff because it's very foreign to them. It's one of, we do sales trainings, marketing training. We do trainings nonstop in my company because you have to keep everyone up yep. to speed. It changes. You know, I read a million blogs. I don't yep. expect other people to do that. And so we do a lot of LinkedIn sales trainings on just pretty much how to build a LinkedIn profile to stand out and talk to your audience. That's awesome. So tell me of the events that you do on behalf of the company, which is your favorite? I'd say Delivering Alpha is one of my favorites without a doubt. Okay. Um, we do a lot of beautiful award shows at the Mandarin Uptown in New York. Oh, very nice. I've been to some really nice. We do a lot of events at the British Museum in London, so it's really pretty. Uh, they do some beautiful, you know, lots of great drinking in London after the events. That's the big difference is people like to stay out and party. Oh, yeah? <laughs> Much more like... than here, yeah. Really? That's very interesting. We'll have to ask Joe all about that. Oh, yeah. Huh? Joe, Joe can attest. Joe and, and Michelle is back there. <laughs> Wonderful. Um, okay. So and tell me also of the thought leaders you've met. Who is your favorite? Have you met anyone, like, who's really knocked your socks off? So I think... I'm trying to think now. I mean, Gary Vanderchuk, I think, is unbelievable. Mm-hmm. I heard him speak a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Brian Solis, I think, is great. You know, mm-hmm. all all the people that are out there are really kind of in this industry. In the, go to the same co- Inspire you. Exactly. And yeah. you can't, you know, David Meerman Scott. I'm, oh, incredible. I got to meet him a yeah. couple weeks ago, and he is so nice. And yeah. it's just powerful. You know, yes. it's not rocket science, like I said, but 
the case studies that they present and how they kind of have the stats rolled into their speeches or, you know, it's those short tweetable moments that you can take back to your teams and say, this is what works and here's why. So it sounds like that's really what inspires you is getting a lot of these kind of short bursts of information and inspiration from Mm -hmm. these leaders. And uh, Dave has a great book. Of course. Uh, Michelle gave me the book two years ago. Oh, wonderful. You know, it's fantastic. And he's unbelievable on LinkedIn with his updates. Yes. his influencer status. Yeah, I mean, so. I think they're all they're all um, really great at sharing mm-hmm. snippets of wisdom and, and in which you have to do. You have to. You have to be able to share it in short, digestible con- pieces of content, and I think that's that's great. And so, okay, last but not least, you are getting ready to have a baby. I am. Are you so excited? <laughs> I am. I'm so so hot. I'm ready for the summer <laughs> to be over. So, okay, so. You're getting ready to have a baby. Your whole life is going to change. Your whole universe is first baby, right? This is your first baby. This is my first baby. Okay. How are you anticipating uh, your world changing? Do you have any any thoughts on this? How are you going to manage it all? Your world, your life, your everything? Are you overwhelmed by the thought? Are you feeling great? Yeah, I think it, I would lie if I said I wasn't overwhelmed, but it's a good overwhelm. Yeah. Um, it really makes you prioritize your time and kind of, I think, as you would probably attest, it yes. makes you really put your priorities in perspective. Um, I'm just nervous about not having time to read all the blogs. I don't know. I'm going to come back in three months and not know what anything is anymore. No, you know what you're going to do. You'll have moments like where you'll actually want to read the blogs, like when the baby is sleeping. It all depends on what type of sleeper. (laughs) Yes. When, when, if the baby is a good sleeper, okay, and and he's sleeping and he's there and he's quiet, you might want to check a blog or two. Because sometimes you want, yeah, yeah, you'll want the moment of sanity. I think of like, like, just like a different world because you're all like... So I I do my own blog, and my husband's like, are you going to now do mommy blogs? And I'm like, well, am I going to transition into being that woman? That's right. Your blog. Tell me about your blog. It's I have it. I have it somewhere here. It's just MarissaPick.com. I knew it. (laughs) I knew it. Well, do you do – tell me about what the blog is overall about. So it's it's pretty much social media, B2B. Anything that strikes me, I blog about. I try to. Blo- we. I did a blog on reflection two weeks ago. Okay. Just, I was in Chicago. It was one of those picturesque, beautiful days. Yeah. Just walking through Chicago with nothing to do on a Friday afternoon, and it was just so relaxing. Um, so you know, you have the life moments. I blogged about. I got married during a hurricane. I have that in there. Wow. Lessons. So yeah, I have a uh, definitely. Which hur- Hurricane Sandy or Irene? No? Irene. Oh. Yes, that was quite an experience. Did were guests. Um, we delayed. had about two-thirds of our guests couldn't make it, <gasps> uh, but we had a destination wedding in New Jersey, and it was quite a party. Wow. I love it. So you ended up having a great time. I did. And you know, my only regret was I didn't have a hashtag at my wedding. Oh! <laughs> Instagram. Well, many, Irene was... How many years Two, ago? It was Two, three years ago. Three years ago. Oh, yeah, yeah, so there was no – Instagram ha- was just kind of becoming yeah, something. Yeah, it's a little different than the hashtag now at the wedding. So, yeah. Ooh. So you blogged about that too. You're definitely going to put in some mom blogs in there. I, I probably will. You will. I Okay, this is my prediction. You're going <laughs> to incorporate the mom blog piece into the overarching blog, but you're not going to be full-on mom blog. You're going to have a mix. So, yeah. You've got – you're very – you know, you're very versatile. You're, you've got a mix of different things. I mix different, it up. Yeah, I keep you it spicy. Mix it up. That's it. I love it. Well, I want everyone to check that out too, MarissaPick.com. And if they follow you, where should they follow you? At Marissa Pick. At Marissa Pick. There's a theme happening I here. love it. I love it. Pick Marissa. I've got your presidential slogan already. Yes, here we go. go. Pick oh, Marissa. Nice. Marissa Pick. I love it. You could do a whole – by the way, 
MarissaPick.com, you could do all of your different picks for great I, baby products, be great could. social media sites, everything. You Maybe I should do that. Do. I could be. Maybe that's where the future will take me. This is the future. <laughs> we did it right here. Done. You heard it on Sold. all the social ladies. Done. Visit MarissaPick.com for <laughs> Reverse's <laughs> amazing new venture. Um, and actually, check out you know some of the properties of Euro Money Institutional Investor because I'm pretty impressed by what you guys are doing. It's amazing. Thank you. So thanks for coming on the show today. Thank you for having me. You've been listening to All the Social Ladies with Carrie Kirpin, CEO of Likeable Media. You can follow Carrie on Twitter, at Carrie Kirpin. To get current social media insights and great tips, Sign up for Carrie's weekly newsletter by emailing newsletter at likeable.com.